Counterculture Parents. I'm Kurt Bruner, your host. If you've been listening to this podcast for any time, you know that we've been talking about four specific choices, courageous choices, that parents in this day and age need to make. Uh, these four choices have a disproportionate influence on what shapes and forms the faith and character of the next generation. Well, recently, Tim Hawks, who's pastor of Hill Country Bible Church, uh, gave a talk on one of these four choices, the first of these four choices, which is directing your child's spiritual formation. So I've been given permission to share portions of that talk on this episode of the podcast. You'll recognize Tim Hawks from an earlier talk he gave on this podcast. And if you've been listening to this podcast, you'll recognize that Cindy Hawks is married to Tim Hawks. And they are a couple that have indeed been very intentional with regard to trying to help parents make courageous choices. So with that, uh, here is Tim Hawks talking about steering their spiritual formation. I'm so excited that you guys are here, so proud of you being here. And tonight we're going to talk about our first courageous choice. I'm going to unpack it in just a few minutes, and then we're going to have a chance for you guys to interact a bit over it. Uh, But I want to start with a question. My question is, how long will your children live? When you think about your children, how long are you expecting them to live? The answer to the question is they're going to live forever. They're going to live into eternity. That means what you choose to do over the next 18 or less years, depending on the age of your kids, what you choose to do with them, the time, the money, and the effort, and the tears you pour into them, That will be the most significant investment that you will make in your lifetime. Like the biggest contribution that you can make has nothing to do with the size of your house, the size of your retirement, has nothing to do with any of the things that we would normally say is important in life. The largest investment that you're going to make is in your children's life because your children are going to spend eternity either in the presence of God's love or separated from God's love for all of eternity. So for the love of your children, this is the most important thing. It's way more important than their academic successes. It's by far more important than what they do athletically, more important than what you do with making sure they're eating healthy food. And yet most of the hours in the day, most of the hours in the week, are consumed by things that are very, very far from investing in your child's development. And I'm sure some of you may feel a little bit like Neo as he was sitting there in the matrix being handed either the red pill or the blue pill. And you're wondering to yourself, like, which one of these am I going to take? Because I'm wondering if I'm going to be brave enough to step into the journey of really being a courageous parent to my children Or am I going to just kind of fall back into the like the soul-crushing consumer culture 
that just consumes everything in my child's life and everything in my life along the way, but it seems so normal. If you take the journey that we're talking about taking and you take the challenge that we're going to put out before you, and if you make these courageous choices, I want you to know that you're not going to be popular with your friends, with your neighbors, with your employer. Like nobody gets this. You may even find that your very own parents disapprove of you prioritizing Jesus over the things that are successful in this world. And the first thing that we want you to understand um, is that the courageous choice of directing your child's spiritual development is the foundational choice to all of the other ones. Some of you may be thinking, "Well, well, wait a minute. I, I thought that what I was coming here to do would be to get some help on some of the troubles that are facing raising children. Like, I, I want to just talk about technology. When do I give them a cell phone? When do I not give them a cell phone? I just want to know that. That's all I signed up for. Some of you are thinking, like, I've got school choices to face. I'm either in a school situation, I'm questioning it, or I have a child that's going to be going to school. That's what I signed up for. That's what I was thinking this was all about. Or some of you are thinking, the main thing I'm worried about is the trans thing that's taking place. And so I thought you guys were going to kind of give me a one, two, three, and then I could go back and just live the consumer culture. Now, we're going to give you answers to all those troubles and give you things to wrestle with and think about, but... We're talking about something deeper than that, which comes down to the core of your spiritual walk with Jesus and how you raise your kids. We're also going to be giving you lots of tools. But if all those are things that you're simply going to say, I want to add those on to whatever the culture is doing. I want to fit in with everything that everybody else is doing. I just want a couple little tricks to help me. That's not what this is. Okay, So we're actually going to the core of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and a family that prioritizes the spiritual formation of their children. So in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 5 and 6, here's what God says to the nation of Israel. This is the foundational truth to the nation of Israel. He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. What did Jesus say? The greatest commandment? And he quoted this passage, right? So this is for all of us at all times. It starts with love the Lord your God, and then he goes on to say, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your heart. Now, I want you to see the connection between the heart for God and the daily obedience of keeping God's commandments. Many Christians have decided that we drop the commandments of God and as long as we feel something for God, we've loved him. But the scriptures are very clear that love is actually expressed in what we choose to do. Our choices, how we use our time, how we use our conversations, what we love, what we cheer for. Loving God is a whole person experience. So he says, starting with mom and dad, I want you to start with the idea that your goal is to love and obey God. That's what you're called to do. And out of that, then he moves on to talk about how you transfer that to your kids. 
He says, impress them on your children. How do you do that? I love this. He says, talk about them when you sit in your home and when you walk along the road. So like whether you're hanging out at the house or whether you're driving in the minivan, whether you're home or away, what you're doing is you're talking about who God is. Talk about them when you lie down and when you get up. So in the morning, at breakfast, you're talking about them. In the evening, at bedtime, you're talking about them. What your kids know the most about when they know you is that you love God and you're following him. Now, what are some of the things that our kids need to learn from us uh, that come right out of the word of God? So the, the first one is the nature of God. What is he like? And more importantly, what does he require of us? Your children learn that from you. That's part of what the family's supposed to do. That's what you're doing when you're directing their spiritual formation. You also need to understand the nature of children. Do you realize that the Bible actually explains all of this stuff? You want to know what children are like? The Bible tells you. And that's why when uh, my daughter, Lady, was talking to her three-year-old, Caroline, and she made the comment, hey, Caroline, um, why do you push your brother, Warren, one-year-old, down? And Caroline said, because I like to. (gasps) Oh, there must be a reason why she's acting out. Can we get under the roof of the feelings and psychologize this? Or we just accept the fact that Children, by nature, have a sin problem, right? Like all of us do. Uh, Ellen, when she was three, our third child, she would walk around the house all the time, and she was you know, speaking as a three-year-old, and she'd say, shut your piggy up, shut your piggy up. And like everybody's looking at her. She's doing this all the time. And this goes on for a long time. And everybody's like, what in the world? What piggy is she talking about? Like, is she talking about a stuffed animal? What's she talking about? One day, she is watching Sylvester on Looney Tunes. And Cindy happens to be listening in. And Sylvester says, shut your big yap. (laughs) Ellen's been walking around the house for months, telling everybody to shut up. (laughs) And we were just like, isn't that so cute? Shut your piggy up? Like, what's this? Oh my goodness, our three-year-old can't tolerate noise. No, our three-year-old enjoys telling everybody to shut their big yap. (laughs) Why? You can understand that and actually know what to do about it. In addition to that, um, it also tells us what the goal of parenting is. Do you, you know what the goal of parenting is? When I interview parents and talk to them and then watch their behavior, the three things I always hear from parents, I want my child to be happy. I want my child to fit in. I want my child to be successful. Well, no wonder they drop out of the faith when they go to college because what's the definition of happy in college? It's living a hedonistic lifestyle, right? What's the definition of fitting in? It's kicking your Christian ideology to the curb. Now, some of us may think, like, how could I possibly succeed in this world with the biblical point of view of parenting? And how could I possibly succeed um, just in living out my Christian faith in a way that would actually impress it upon my kids? So this choice is made possible by your God-given powerful influence. God has given you an influence that is absolutely designed for you to pass your faith on to your kids. 
God has created marriage where two become one, a perfect picture of the Trinity and Christ's relationship with the church. So embedded in the very nature of marriage and that self-sacrificial love and respect that's part of a marriage shows what the Trinity looks like so a child at an early age can understand a bit of God before they can even talk. When they experience mom and dad, loving each other and loving the child. In addition to that, God created a family and made children dependent on their parents. Do you realize like the human race is the only species where their dependents actually have to have mom and dad for numerous years to even survive and develop? To create this incredible bond so that you could influence and pass something very profound onto your kids. The fact that the family lives together and survives together creates all kinds of learning opportunities day after day after day. And God has even wired the brain with chemicals of bonding where one person looking into the eye of another creates bonding chemicals that give mom and dad this edge of being able to influence their child. And what's so profound and powerful about that is that God set it up this way so that parents could have the biggest influence on their kids. In fact, it's it's actually biblically clear, logically and scientifically it's clear, but it's actually clear in what we see happening in the culture. So Christian Smith, the sociologist that's done this massive study following kids for the last 20 years that are graduating from high school from Christian churches and Christian homes and then choosing what to do when they get in college. And the numbers are between 66 and 70% are leaving their faith when they get to college. So those who stay... Here's what he says. He writes, Parents define for their children the role that religious faith and practice ought to play in their life, whether it's important to the parent or whether it's not. He goes on to say, Which most children roughly adopt. And then he makes this statement. Parents set a, quote, glass ceiling of religious commitment above which their children rarely rise. Why is that true? Because God has wired into kids that the influence of their parents, whatever they see is what they believe is really truly what's important in life and rarely. Now some of you say, well, I'm the exception to that because I I went further than my parents. Praise God for that. But don't let the exception fool you into thinking, hey, I'm just going to kind of do my thing here and hope my kids get it somehow. So I've shown you the influence chart before. I want to quickly talk about this for just a minute, and then we're going to wrap up. So what God has done is he's created a child where there are really three phases of where we get to influence them, and this is where you, as a parent, begin to understand how all this works. The first phase is the imprint phase, where a child is primarily taking in information, actually holding a child in your arms, looking into your child's eyes, they're starting to understand the love of God in an embrace because their body 
And their mind is wiring around intimacy and closeness and care and comfort and being safe. God's built that all into that phase of life. Moving to the next phase is the impression phase, and that's from age 7 to 15, where a child is now starting to make connections. Like all that I've taken in for the first seven years of my life, now I'm starting to put it together And that's when kids are driving you crazy, asking all kinds of questions. And then in the final phase, now kids are starting at around age 15 to say, what do I believe? I know what my parents believe, but I'm starting to formulate what I think and what I believe. But there are two major things that I can point out. There's, There's more than this, but two major things that are happening in our culture. They're happening by design. They're happening because of the market forces. That's why oftentimes I criticize the consumer culture because there are people, they have ideas and ideals for your children that will make them money. And here's the first big one that we see. The average parent is putting a smartphone in their child's hand, average age about 11. In the time of the height of impression, you have handed your influence 24-7 to somebody who has bad intentions for your child. We're giving away our influence. It's a huge deal. We're going to come back and talk about that choice. It's a big one. Uh, The second challenge I think that we face in the culture, which is a big challenge, is the activity commitment. And so we oftentimes start when children are very young and we begin to commit them to activities that take on a life of their own and grow in proportion to that relationship over the course of a child's life. And so little Susie is going to learn how to play soccer, and I grew up playing team sports, and that's an awesome thing, and there's all kinds of positives about that. So little Susie starts there. By middle school, little Susie's playing on two select teams, and she's playing on the school team. And so basically every Saturday, uh, we're traveling every Sunday, we're out of church, I mean, we're going with this thing. But keep in mind the influence that's taking place because the peer group now is all in that world. Success in life is being able to stay on that team or to get on a travel team. By the time a student gets into high school, going to school, doing homework, and in one major activity, how many hours a week? You probably haven't added this up. Conservatively, 54 and a half hours a week. That doesn't count weekends. Now let me ask you, if your boss called you in tomorrow and said, listen, I want you to put in a minimum of 54 and a half hours a week, plus every other weekend I want you to give me six hours, what would you say? And yet that is the life of a student today, and you wonder why all this anxiety, all this stress, all this pressure... They used to call this sweatshops. Now, people, the reason why I'm telling you this is because somehow it seems normal until you stop and think about it for a minute. Do you realize that youth sports today actually is a larger business than the NFL? 
more money spent by parents on youth sports than what the NFL generates every year. Our, our identity is tied up in this. Like, what do we talk about? What do we post? What do we celebrate? What my kid accomplished? What does a child grow up to think? These things are all part of the soul-crushing culture that we live in. And what we're asking is that you liberate yourself and your family. And we're going to help you with that if you're courageous enough to take those steps. Here's the good news. That God has something better for you. Grace and freedom from living as a prisoner to a culture that is desirous of taking everything that you can possibly give and giving you nothing back but a participant's trophy for having played this game. Make a courageous choice. That's what we're talking about, that we would prioritize our relationship with God and the spiritual input of our children over all of these things that the culture simply assumes. If you'd like to become more intentional in your home about uh, steering your child's spiritual formation, then I encourage you to look at the notes on today's podcast episode, and you'll find links to some very helpful, very practical tools. I hope you find that helpful, and I hope you found Tim's presentation encouraging as you continue to make the kind of choices that are going to make a big difference in your kids' lives for years and years to come. In fact, into eternity. So thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Counterculture Parents is brought to you in part by DryFaithHome.com. We help churches reach and disciple busy families. If you appreciate this podcast, then I encourage you to support your local church, which is your most important reinforcing community.